All right, so I am I haven't I haven't done a show in a, over a month here, and it's basically because I haven't really felt like anything I that I came up with to talk about was really important enough in the context of of what I've done so far in the first eighteen episodes. Um, but this is starting to get important enough to start to comment on, and that is this speeding up of the corporativist. Um, policies and actions and uh, they're 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 being much less secretive about it much more open about it it's much more threatening than it has been in the past more obviously threatening and so i've said before that we've been a corporativism for a long time for at least 50 years probably more like 100 years or more and essentially corporativism is an ideology in a government form um, with origins in syndicalism and trade unionism and guild socialism. And it's really an evolution. So guild socialism, guild socialism, the best example of that in current day life that's really local to you to, to demonstrate just how close to home this whole ideology already is and has been for a long time. A good example of a, of a guild socialist organization would be a, um, a chamber of commerce, for instance. Um, so you have these organizations in your own town that have unelected bureaucrats of some type who apparently have the ability to prevent new competition and new, new people from opening new shops and providing services in your town because they have to go through these bureaucrats and the bureaucrats ask the competition of whoever it is that you would be competing with whether or not you should be allowed to compete with them. Now, obviously, this has nothing to do with the free market or capitalism. Um, it's, it's not socialism either. Um, this is this third way thing. Uh, public-private partnership is one of the code words that they use for stuff, but in this case of of the chambers of commerce it's just an obvious example of how this stuff works and it's also a really good example of the fact that it's not corruption because a lot of people when they think about things that government is doing that's bad they think oh well that's a corrupt government official well what the chambers of commerce are doing if you think of them as government they're sort of quasi-governmental um they're, that's their declared purpose, right? They're, they're not, it's not corrupt for, for a Chamber of Commerce to prevent somebody from opening a store because there's already people who provide that service and those people don't want, a new comp, don't want new competition coming in. That's their declared purpose. So they're not being corrupt in doing that. So if you, once you understand that, that, that what these people are doing is actually not outside of what they're supposed to be doing, then it's a lot easier to understand how this is all happening. It's not that all of a sudden, spontaneously, everybody is becoming corrupt. It's that that's their job. That's what they're supposed to do. And, and so the, uh, the other component here is, is trade unionism, which adds this um, idea of... So you have these corporations who, or who, who may be forced to separate out into cartels if it's too obvious 
Uh, a good example of this is the auto industry. If, if possible, the government would prefer that there was one auto manufacturer because it's much easier to control a single auto manufacturer. It could nationalize auto manufacturing if it needed to, if it was forced to, if it wanted to. But again, because we're supposed to be a constitutional republic, so ostensibly the United States is not supposed to have economic planning policies enacted by the government. But so, so that forces it to, to use this surreptitious corporativist model where it delegates its economic planning policies to corporations who then enact them over the economic sector that they have control over. And we're talking mega corporations here that have a large enough influence over enough people to be able to call itself a control over an economic sector. Um, so in this automobile example, it's, it's allowed to be separated into cartels. But there's no, you can't start up a new car company and compete with the, the cartel, right? Um, there used to be, in the beginning of this last century, hundreds of car manufacturers. And they were all, you know, it, it was really a process of buying them up into the larger corporations. And, of course, we see that all the time, too. Um, but again, this is not because there's some evil, terrible private institution, private company that's deciding to become a monopoly and achieving it just by buying up all the competition. In order for this to work, you have to have the government forbidding anybody from competing with you and making sure that it's illegal or impossible to compete uh, for anybody who is not authorized to compete in that industry. And once you get to that point, then the economic planning policies that they direct the corporations to enact will have the effect that they want because they'll, they'll have enough influence over enough people that it can be done. Now, it's surreptitious, obviously, because they're doing this without saying it openly for the most part, although they're starting to be more obvious about it. But if people complain enough about any particular corporation's policies, that were directed by the government, uh, the government actually can take the CEO of that corporation, put them in front of Congress, and say, you terrible private actor, why are you doing this terrible thing? And castigate them and remove them and maybe replace them or replace the whole masthead of the corporation or, or shut down the corporation. But whatever the policy was that they were making them do, they then allocate or delegate to another corporation. So the policies never go away. The, that's that's the government's, you know, in in corporativism, there's nothing above the state. So the, the, the state is always in control of everything. And this idea that the corporations are controlling the government or influencing the government is, is not correct. Um, the, the left tends to think of this in terms of the corporations are the bad guy and the government is the good guy because they're going to regulate the corporations and make prevent them from doing bad things or keep them honest somehow and and force them to undo things that they've done that are bad. And the people on the right think that, that the corporations are private institutions and they shouldn't be over-regulated. Usually the right will even acknowledge regulation as valid, but say don't over-regulate the corporations. And so they'll defend the corporations against the government as if they're a capitalist institution. But, of course, they're both wrong. Um, this, is, this is a unified thing. It's the corporate state. And so the, the classical liberals had always attributed this to you know, 
whenever we had these situations where the government was doing something that benefited a particular company, it would be called regulatory capture, and and it was considered corruption. Um, but once you realize that this is all part of the whole system here, um, and that it's not corruption at all, just just as with the chambers of commerce doing their job and preventing a new you know shop from opening up because the people who already provide the service don't want new competition. That's not corruption. So it's they're just doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, this is the same situation. It's not corruption for the government to tell the, the corporation to enact some state economic planning policy because that's the system. And when it looks like the corporation is doing something, you know, it's the revolving door, I guess I'm, I'm sort of partly talking about here. One of the things everybody talks about is you've got this revolving door where people have a job in government and then they leave and then they have a job in this company. And maybe they did, you know, pass some law while they were in government or did something in government that benefited the company and then they end up in the company three years later. And to most people that looks like it's corruption. But it's actually the system um, because the opposite is true too. People from corporations make it into government. Um, and it's they so again it looks like it's corruption because there's this revolving door of people going from government to corporations and back again, and it's benefiting each. Um, and, but usually it benefits the corporation because the corporation is the one who has to enact the economic planning policies. So granting them more authority and more power and more money is the, generally the way this works. Um, so so. It's it's not corruption at all. It's exactly what they're supposed to be doing. That's how this works. And uh, the example I, I like to use, the simplest example of this relationship is the post office. Um, nobody, nobody, because the post office is effectively a company that's providing a service to the public, but everybody acknowledges that the post office is wholly owned by the government, um, and it's completely illegal to compete with them. So that's really what the relationship is. That's the purest corporate corporativist racial relationship I can really use as an example. And many of these mega corporations fit that bill to to varying extents. Um, maybe not completely to that level, but but very much close to it. And depending on what we're talking about here, like military suppliers and that sort of thing. Um, but this this is happening. I mean, Amazon practically fits that bill when you have a situation where. The government effectively makes it illegal for anybody normal or small businesses to sell stuff, but you know you can get it from Amazon. Or I mean, maybe that's not even a great example here, but you know what I mean. That that, that there are these big corporations, the Costco's and the whatever. You can go and get your food from Costco, but you can't go to the local grocery store. You know this is this is what was happening uh, last year when when they first started with the lockdowns and all this crap. Um, so that's. The, that's what I'm getting at when I'm trying to, to describe what's happening and why it's corporativist and why I'm calling it that specifically. Um, now, what's happening right now is this: the government is is blocking the supply chain. Now, the, the federal government has been sabotaging our supply chain this whole time um, through a variety of direct interventions as well as corporativist arrangements and the corporate you know the, the corporatization of the food industry has been 
of every industry has been at full tilt. Um, they're forcing small businesses out of business and, and corporativizing everything. Um, and they're, it's just so obvious that everybody's noticing it now. And a lot of people I don't think understand why, and that's why I'm trying to help people understand why and how this is happening and why it's not really surprising at all and, and, and how it actually has always been happening. It's just been more subtle in the past and slower. Um, but right now we have this situation where, um, well, what was I getting at earlier? So, so this we have the guild socialism example. We have the trade union example of introducing violence uh, as a tool. Uh, so the government is specifically allowing violence. Um, and, and they're allowing violence for scabs. So you're allowed to beat up scabs and you don't get arrested for for crime when you do that if you have permission from the government as a, as a trade union um, that's a fairly limited example but it introduces the violence to the picture and then the syndicalist element here is because syndicalism is is a further evolution um, of this trade unionist idea it's more general it's more broad it, it affects all of any part of society can be targeted by syndicalism not just people who want to get a job at, at the company that you want to hurt as the trade union um, and in syndicalism you the idea is you you use organized institutionalized violence to achieve political ends so it it's it's terrorism and right now what's happening is the federal government is conducting a terrorist operation against the American people by preventing the supplies from arriving from ships at the ports. And they're actually saying out loud in the media directly to the people that the reason that they're doing this is because they won't take the experimental gene therapy. They're saying, we won't let you get food unless you take the experimental gene therapy. And this is terrorism. Um, it is really, you, you can't interpret this in any other way. Um, so the political ends they're trying to achieve is to force you to take the experimental gene therapy. And that's bad. This is all bad enough anyway, right? Terrorist operation conducted by the federal government to achieve some political end, which is to get you to do this thing. But then we have, what is this thing? You know, what are they trying to do with the experimental gene therapy? We, we know it, it doesn't confer immunity to the virus. It doesn't do any, you know what I mean? Like, we, we know what harm it does. And then not only are they not stopping it in all the precedents for any vaccine before this, it would have been stopped in the first day or two. And there were more deaths in the first month, more, more adverse reactions in the first month than the, than, the, than the last 30 years of every other vaccine. I mean, the numbers are that crazy. And that's the numbers we have access to, which are extremely underestimated. So we really don't know just how big the numbers are, but they're, what we know about is already too big, right? So, so it should be beyond obvious to anybody just how fucked this all is. So obviously, mass recall, we need to be spreading the, the word about the idea of mass recall so that everybody is aware of it, so that when the government decides to cut power and communications, we know what's going on and we can print off flyers and organize and start. Um, 
start not to do mass recall immediately, but to communicate the idea locally with all of our local people, uh, you know, our neighbors. And the idea is that we all want to do this across the world if possible, but certainly in the United States as a whole, at once. We don't want these things, we don't want mass recall to happen occasionally or individually here and there. We really need to make sure that it's that we're doing it at the same time as everybody else. I don't want to use the word coordinate because we can't really coordinate. We don't want to coordinate. This is You can't have a leader. It's not the purpose of a decentralization movement. It's just this simple requirement of simultaneity. And the simultaneity is necessary to prevent the violence that the government would, would absolutely love to use if it could, if there were just a couple of moles that they needed to whack. So we want to make sure this is not whack-a-mole, but that all the moles come up at once. Um, and that's the safest way to do this. It's the most peaceful way to do this because it, you know, we're sticking our neck out doing it in this peaceful way. But it's not because we want to be killed. It's because we want to prevent violence. So if we want to prevent violence, we need to do this all at the same time. Um, but it should be obvious now that the federal government is, as I've said, conducting a terrorist operation against the American citizens to prevent supplies from arriving, specifically so that it might starve us into doing something they want us to do, which is a, a highly questionable, <laughs> the, the nicest way to say it, thing that they want us to do. And I'm not even talking about what that leads to, uh, because obviously forcing us to take the experimental gene therapy is... is a symptom of something else. Um, and I've talked about lockstep, I've talked about all of the, the plan to subjugate humanity, and I haven't talked about Agenda 21 as much because it's, it's, it hasn't been necessary for me to, to delve very deeply into the long-term plans other than to scare people into knowing that something needs to be done. But maybe we're getting to the point where the snowball is getting big and fast enough that People might be open to hearing the um, the really crazy depths of this problem that we're facing. Uh, you know, the threat to human civilization, the, th the, the threat of potential human extinction, um, sterilization of everybody. The, this, this, there's just so many aspects to this. And there's new ones popping up. They're not really new ones, but... Some of the, the more, what I, what I was sort of considering to be fairly out there ideas are seemingly proving to be just as real as everything else. Um, but I don't know for sure, so I haven't really been addressing the, the, that as much for now. So anyway, kind of rambling here, so I should probably just end it at that. But So corporativism, this is corporativism, and it's... In this case, the syndicalist element, this is a really good example of a syndicalist element, which is a terrorist operation to achieve a political goal, which in and of itself should be very shocking and troubling to anybody. And then you add what it is that they're trying to do, what the political goal is, and it's to get you to take this experimental gene therapy. So got to tell people about mass recall. We have to spread the word about mass recall. It's just, just the idea 
we're not ready to do anything yet. We have to spread the words because it can't happen if people don't know about it.